0: to Season 2, Episode 2 of Enough, where we want to do a deeper dive into addiction and what we want to talk about in this season. So we are joined today by Tanya and also returned from our guest, Beth. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> so, Tanya, I know when we had our brainstorming session of major topics that we want to cover for mm-hmm. Season 2, addiction was at the forefront. And coming off a season talking about depression and anxiety, it seemed like a natural progression for the board. Can you explain, is there a lot of overlap between those two, you think?
1: I mean, from my perspective, I feel like there are people will often, not always, but often suffer from anxiety or depression or whatever it might be that then can lead them to self-medicating. So they could use alcohol, weed, whatever it may be to escape how they're feeling.
0: The escapism element for it. Mm -hmm. Is that where you think it usually starts?
1: That's a tough question. Um, there are a lot of variables at play with addiction and where it starts. It could be um, from their family of origin. It could be learned behavior. Um, you know, let's see. They say they see their, you know, parents drinking. They may feel like it's acceptable. I mean, I know some clients I've had in the past. Their parents would drink with them. Or smoke weed with them at a very young age. So it could be, there are lots of things that lead to
0: it. And now we want to cover all kinds of addiction mm-hmm. and not just like the stereotypical X, Y, Z kind of addiction. Mm-hmm. So what can someone get addicted to?
1: Bear, a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, substances, um, alcohol, gambling, sex, pornography. Um shopping phones phones, social media, media yeah
0: video games right so i guess when i was growing up and this goes to my own bias that there was a lot of like the drug and alcohol because mm-hmm. like the chemical addiction mm-hmm. idea and eventually more and more things kind of got added to it with the social media with the phones with the video games with the porn with all the different things that we have to watch out for is that the same kind of addiction or is it different between like Sociology versus brain science, or is it all kind of the same?
1: So this would probably be better answered by like a doctor. Okay, <laughs> we'll call it in real quick. We'll call on a clinical <laughs> psychologist. Um, there is obviously something happening in your brain, right? Like you're getting a a big dose of dopamine, and like let's pretend you're at the casino and you're hearing all the bells and whistles, and you pull the lever and you get the coins. I don't even know if they do that anymore. Everything seems electronic, but um, it's you know it's a high, it's a a feeling, a euphoria, over and over again. So whether it be a pill or you know a bottle of vodka, whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. It's that escapism piece. They're still getting that dopamine. They're getting that rush from Mm -hmm. it too. Mm -hmm. And how common is it in your practice? Oh,
1: I it's very common. I I used to work a lot more with addiction. Um I've kind of scaled back in my practice, but it's it's often an underlying theme. Like you know, lots of drinking in the home and lots of, you know, it's acceptable. It's part of our society. Um it's interesting when someone comes in and I ask the question about mental health does anyone in your extended family have m- any mental health issues or addiction issues nope nope and i'm always like uh, okay i'll come back to that because <laughs> i guarantee that's not correct or no
2: i mean my uncle's an alcoholic exactly that's so addiction. yes, then.
0: So, so yes, there is yes. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's like, do so you have a history of kidney disease? No, but my uncle needed a kidney transplant. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's the right. same question. Yeah. It's just being it viewed is. differently. It's
1: interesting, though.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Is there a demographic that it follows? Income, poverty, race, ethnicity, gender.
1: No, everyone can be a victim. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. what does
0: that usually look like? Do are they pretty upfront with admitting that they have a problem with these things, or is it something that you kind of disclose eventually?
1: It it, it honestly depends on the situation. Um, If someone's court ordered to come, then you know they've got to.
0: They're they're going to be be pretty pretty upfront about it. it.
1: (laughs) But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to answer all the questions honestly. Like, how many drinks did you have last night? I had three. When in reality, they may have had six or seven. Um, I think people get caught up in using that it, using whatever substance it might be, that they lose track of reality, and that doesn't mean necessarily. Like let's say they drank, I don't know, a handle the night before, and they go to work the next day. They're not necessarily drunk, but over time you continue drinking that way your personality changes
0: so it's a long-term effect mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. that's interesting mm-hmm. and you see it across all drugs too is there some that are more addictive than others
1: oh i mean uh, yeah i'm sure like you know people there's the whole um argument is weed addictive and i don't know that it's um i'm not an expert on that but i don't know that it's i um, necessarily physiologically addictive but I believe, psychologically in how you, you know...
0: It's the you, dopamine rush. Yeah. Here, the feeling
1: right? of being high is
2: what is addictive. Getting them into not it. Not necessarily mm-hmm. the weed. Right. But the feeling of being high, and then you want more, mm-hmm. and then you want more. Mm-hmm. So it absolutely is, mm-hmm. because I had that argument a lot, it's not addictive. Right. Uh, it's good for you, or yeah. but no, that feeling is, and that feeling can also be harder to... It becomes harder for that, you become numb to it, and then you want more because it's not, that high isn't as great as it used to be, mm-hmm. right? And then you want more. And, so it's like mm-hmm. a
0: hunger for at yeah. that point then, All right? That's interesting. I will say
1: though, um, over the course of my um, years of doing this, now that weed is, can be medically prescribed, it is an interesting um, position for me to be in. Because I remember back in the day, I was like, you know, weed. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. And over time, uh, you know, I started to kind of look at it differently and reading more about its use um, for anxiety mm-hmm. or mostly anxiety is what or I'm insomnia familiar. too, right? Right, yeah, right. Good it looks point. Like. Yeah. Um, so working with clients now who have the medical card and if they are using it as intended, it can help. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. But it's that as intended part, right? Exactly. It's making right. sure it's not In being In a abused. controlled
2: situation. Right. And-
0: right. Because mm-hmm. right. I mean, at the same time, the same thing with oxycodone, which is mm-hmm. what we talked about the last episode, which mm-hmm. is that sometimes it's overprescribed. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then how do you figure out like what's the correct dosage and how do you hold people accountable to that? Mm-hmm. And like those are the hardcore society que- questions that we don't have answers mm-hmm. to. Right. And that's kind of why we're trying to dig into it. Now, our major focus with this podcast is breaking up the stigma mm-hmm. the around mental health crisis, whatever it looks like. So last season, all about anxiety, depression. How do you break up the stigma of talking to kids about anxiety, depression, what they're currently going through about suicide, the different things like that? Moving into this, is the conversation different? And what does that conversation look like surrounding the stigma around addiction?
1: I don't. It's not different for me. I mean, it, I have alcoholism in my family um, and my Like immediate family. Um, And so my girls know about that. I've been very open with them about that. Um, I let them know that they, you know, are more susceptible to that. And, um, but I've also been very open about very likely you're going to try some things as you're going through life. And I don't want you to feel like you have to hide it from me. Sure. I want you to know I'm here for you to talk to, and I would rather know than find out later.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. you're going to get busted if I find out later Right. <laughs> more than if you're <laughs> open with me.
0: And have that it. conversation up front with you. Sure. <laughs> right. that, that makes plenty of sense.
1: But that doesn't happen, and I am not a perfect parent by any means, but that doesn't happen in every household. People think if we don't talk about it. Then, you know, what's
0: gonna happen? And that's what was suicide for the last season Mm -hmm. was if we don't talk Mm -hmm. about suicide, they won't have the idea to to kill themselves. It's like that's not how that works at all. So it's how do we break up that stigma Mm -hmm. of you need to talk about drugs, you need to talk about alcohol and get out Mm -hmm. there. Because there is that temptation as a parent, it's how do I keep my kid as protected as possible? But sometimes that protection piece of it is exposure and understanding what that looks like and saying we're more predisposed to alcoholism because it runs in the family. Mm -hmm. So was that conversation hard to have with your kids or is that something that...
1: I don't think so. Um, Not for me necessarily because I'm sure I faced what I grew up with. So I went through my own therapy and dealt with that. So they pretty much know, and I'm an open book. I mean... If anyone who knows me knows where I stand <laughs> on lots of things. So.
0: Really? I, I had no idea about that about you. <laughs> no, but that that's awesome. And Beth, cause I know that that you've obviously your family's been personally affected by addiction. What has the conversation changed with your kids at all about it before versus after this the incident?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, my daughter was at an age really where she completely understood it and she, you know, she questions sometimes why, you know, what makes it happen? that it happens for one and not the other. Mm-hmm. So that's another question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, you know, why isn't she addicted? Why isn't she? Cause she, you know, I, I drank, I do this mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not an addict. Um, so yeah, the conversation has definitely become easier and I've become more versed on things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not an expert by any means, but, um, I do know a few more things than I would have if I wouldn't have gone through what we went through. So the conversation is definitely easier with my kids. And I mean, they saw it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: they witnessed it. Mm-hmm. So for them, they know what it can do. So. Yeah.
0: And last season, we talked a lot about the different proponents in a kid's life. So it's not just the parents and the mm-hmm. conversations are just our at home, but right. there's also the teachers mm-hmm. and there's the coaches. Mm-hmm. In your experience, what are you seeing in that, co- that coach and teacher level when it comes to education around addiction.
1: I think that there's a lot of like canned programs out there that people will bring in or they'll bring in a speaker and, um, you know, they'll, the kids will get a little blast about it. But I mean, I'm not in the school, so I don't know. I don't know that it's um, as consistent as it needs to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no.
2: I mean, I was very outspoken about the role of coaches. Um, they can they have A very important role Mm -hmm. in these kids' lives. Mm -hmm. And I, when I would speak about it, I would encourage coaches to, you know, they don't have to know everything. Right. But if you see a difference in a kid Mm -hmm. and you know something's happening, let them know. Talk to the parents. Um, you know, when you see a kid who's going, I don't want to do this anymore, or, they're just different, notice that. A teacher, um, reach out to the parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the worst that can happen is the parent gets mad and, right. and that's okay mm-hmm. as long as we're having the conversations. Um, but especially in sports because you can see it so well in sports because you have a kid who could be you know, doing great and everything's fantastic. And then you see a change. And I think a coach's innate response would be, why aren't you performing Mm -hmm. like you're supposed to be performing? Mm -hmm. And now, sadly, the question has to be, hey, is there something going on that I need to know about? Mm -hmm. And again, I think we've gotten better at it, but we can still do better um, with making these kids know that You know, I'm your coach, but I can still be here. And and if the coach isn't comfortable, then pass it off to someone else. Yeah. If they if they you know, if they're not comfortable talking about it, um, just definitely let someone know. Don't just let that kid, you know, don't 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 brush it off.
0: Yeah. So do you want to go into it? Or you want me to go into it? Uh, you can go into ma- it. We're making this, the oh, funny yeah. eye contact oh, yeah. we're making back and forth with oh, each other yeah. is is basically every single parent we've talked to has contributed to what can we do on the coaching level to make it better? Because a lot of the teachers, they, they go through the educational piece of it and they're exposed to it and right. they don't spend as much time. But the coaches have three times spent on FaceTime mm-hmm. with the students than a teacher and a lot of families, if they're not getting home to eight o'clock, more more Facetime than the the teachers too. But if you look at on an industry, they don't have the support and the coaching needed. So there's actually a health bill 82 mm-hmm. that's currently in state Congress right now that's requiring mental health training for all coaches. Right. So we hosted a proponent of the bill earlier in the season too. But going on that coach aspect, because everything you just said about addiction is that's- the exact same when it comes to the different mental health crisis that we're seeing. So yeah. I do think a lot of the solutions going to come down to the coaches. I just don't know how we're going to scale that up society in a sustainable way well
2: having the coaches hear real stories too i mean you can have all the canned things that you said bringing in speakers um but when you know real stories you know like you know the ben morrison story and you know the zach renner story and people that were you know students that were in your school that it happened to it makes so much more of an impact wow that can really happen it's not just a oh that happens um so yeah i i'm i'm a big proponent on that. Could do a whole nother podcast.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) We have some people in the community too that want to jump in. Yes, absolutely.
2: It's important. We'll get there. It's very important.
0: And I think, we won't have the answers and we always try to, to create this giant, how are we going to fix the problem? And yeah. again, it's so complex since there's so many different sides of it that I don't think the three of us are going to sit down and fix addiction crisis in the United States of America, but we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I think exposure and those stories and the communication and the coaching and all those things has a piece, but there's also this medical piece to it too right mm-hmm. and there's this are we over prescribing drugs are we having those conversations in the doctor's office about the impact of these drugs so both of your experiences are we seeing that on a medical level or not as much and i guess this would be more on the 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 painkillers and the opiate ac- epidemic than anything else
1: i don't know if i can answer that. <laughs> the painkiller part <laughs>
2: sure. you mean are we seeing it still are 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 they being over prescribed? I mean, I still think there's not enough conversations that are being had. Um, I, I don't think, I think we need to have more conversations about it. And, um, but yeah, I definitely think we don't want our kids to suffer. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I showed a video when I spoke, it was just an emergency room visit and the, the girl's in there and has a broken leg from a soccer game. And they were like, you know, the parents are like, what can you, how can we make this better? Mm-hmm. And the doctor said, oh, I, I can write your prescription. And he writes it and he turns it around and it says heroin. And the parents are like, I'm not, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. And he said, but so many times what you're prescribed in the emergency room is mm-hmm. that. And the parents, you know, they're so quick to say, yes, I want I want to fix it. What can we do? What can we do? But you got to take it a step further and go, hold on. you're going to be in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe try this first and then we'll move into that instead of it being the hard stuff first. And then it should be, you know, let's try it and try to work through the pain. And that's emotional pain too. I mean, I'm not a counselor, but sometimes you got to feel that pain. You Mm -hmm. have to, you have to feel it. You have to talk about it and you have to get it out. And that can be so much more beneficial than, Taking meds. And like you said, it's a real problem, and some things need real medication. But sometimes we got to start with maybe just feeling it Mm -hmm. and letting our kids go through the suffering and be there with them for that instead of just wanting to fix it so quick. I think it'll go a long way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, Tanya, looking at the rest of this, ep- or the rest of the uh, season that we're going to as well, what other conversations are you wanting to have throughout the rest of the season? Like, what will be your major takeaways for the season?
1: You know, I think um, it would be important to spend time looking at um, behavior changes in people as they have their progression of use. Maybe, um, maybe things that we could talk about would be. Um, things that parents or coaches or whoever could pick up on if they suspect that there's something going on with a student using. Things to look for. Things to
2: look right for. Right under your nose. Right under <laughs> your things, nose. yeah.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's do you awesome. want to
2: talk about that? Right under your nose? Um, I would love to see the program come back. I mean, it it's a national program hidden in plain sight. Mm-hmm. And I think they still do it. But we made it our own mm-hmm. right under your nose. And we had an actual bedroom set up um, with things that you walk into a room, I mean, you know, I'll be honest, I walked into my son's room and I found pens all the time and you mean writing, pens? writing pens that were empty. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was, you know, the fidgeting, like taking, you know, just mm-hmm. fidgeting and, you know, but, um, those are actually used to snort. Um, so it, just a little thing like that, that you don't have, you know, you don't know about until you don't know until, you know, right? right. um, so I would love to see something like that come back. It's just educating parents on, on what to look for, the changes and things that you might see. Um, the vapes are so get educated on Mm -hmm. what, what's a vape and what's this and Mm -hmm. what's nicotine and what's the liquid pot. And, um, those are so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, definitely more. We need to do more education on, and you know, addiction is really something that you think about for older, you know, people that are older, you think about alcoholics and you think about that and you're Mm -hmm. like, my kid, I can't, my kid can't be, can't be suffering from addiction. Um, I think there's a stigma around that. Um, it's an older person, you know, oh, you go to AA for that and you, um, but now more than ever with Mm -hmm. the vapes and all of that, um you know we got to educate parents and be open uh, yeah. to talking I mean, kids are
1: trying things at a much younger age and when, than they used to and the, and the yes.
2: coaches too um you know i always say there's always this you know you have to have you know talk to the talk to have the athlete talk to the coach first sometimes sometimes i i wanted to talk to the coach i had it with my younger son mm-hmm. well has has he talked to him He doesn't want to talk to him. I need to tell you something that I need you to know Mm -hmm. about my son. Mm -hmm. So they're all that we have to get rid of that barrier. I get it. You know, we don't want all parents going, but sometimes there's something. So I think coaches need to open that up to parents to say, you know, of course, we want the athletes to come to us. It's their responsibility. But you as a parent, if there's something that's really going on, Mm -hmm. um, I, as a coach need to know. Mm -hmm. And so please share that with me. And I don't, I think there's like that barrier right, right now. Like I you don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could open up
0: things. Better dialogues. Yeah. Very good point. So I'm excited to see the, how the rest of the season plays out and have the different conversations. And Beth, thank you again for joining us in this episode. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we close out or do you think that kind of covers the synopsis of what we hope to cover in this year?
1: I don't think so. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining (laughs) the episode two of the Enough Podcast. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you.